Are you ready to take action to attain the lifestyle of your dreams? It's a great way to make a lot of money fast, fast, fast. Hey, welcome back, Clever Investors, to the Clever Investor Show. I'm your lucky host, Cody Sperber, the OG Clever Investor. And here in the studio today, we got a very special guest, somebody that I uh, I look up to in the creative finance space. His name is Matthew Beard. And if you haven't met him yet, this is your opportunity to learn from a, a, a guy who's uh, a deal maker. Uh, deal maker. Yep. You are definitely a deal maker. He's very creative. He's somebody that uh, has specialized in creative finance pretty much from the start. And uh, every single day, I get the honor and privilege of hanging out with him because he is also a tenant of mine. That We're right here. He works right next yeah. door. He rented out a space. He's got a big yep. wholesaling operation and a rental operation going on right next door. Yep. And so it's been cool to get to know him. But now you get the opportunity to hang out with Matthew. So What's welcome up, to guys? the Clever Investor Show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I highly respect you, the show, everything that is about, man. Um, like I was telling you before we even hopped on, like you were the entry point for me into this world. Coming in from being a real estate agent to an appraiser. And I remember somebody having a conversation with me one time being like, Matt, the only way that you can make money, the, the money that you want to make is you need to start getting paid commission. You need to start getting like, why not sell the most expensive thing someone can actually own? Right. So that's what got me into real estate. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, well now being a listing agent, like what should I be working on? What should I be doing to make money? And then like I started getting your ads. I'm like, okay, what, what is this? Clever investor talking about flipping houses with little to no money. And I showed you before, I can even pull it up on my phone. It was funny because I, I forwarded myself the email, but it's literally, I don't know if you guys can see this, but how to flip houses with little or no money by Cody Sperber was the ebook that I read that got me down this big rabbit hole of where we're at today. We've done a lot of cool things. Cash. I'm creative. so happy that I sold you your first bag of crack. Hey, you did. I was you I've been, hooked ever since. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, that's great. That's a that's a milestone. I love I love that because you know, for me, and I was just showing you right before we started this, like everybody's got an origin mm. point into this creative world of real estate investing. And 100%. for you, it was a simple ebook, right? You're, you're, you're making commissions, you're, you're doing the real estate agent thing and the appraiser thing. And, mm -hmm. and that's a great business to be in. I, I never sure. would ever talk bad about somebody wanting to be an agent or somebody wanting yeah. to be in the real estate space. I just always challenge that way of thinking saying, okay, so 100%. you're basically saying to me that if you're just an agent, mm -hmm. unless you somehow are scaling a big brokerage or a massive team or uh, playing in the super high end luxury space because, right. like, you know, you can make a fortune as an agent. <laughs> that wasn't in, me at the in, time in LA yeah, or something sure. where houses yeah, are all eight yeah. million dollars. But what you're really saying, if you're just an average agent, which I think the average agent makes like fifty thousand dollars a year on average, which like is across crazy. the country. Yes, crazy. You're saying three percent is my limit. Mm. You're agreeing to your brain, your your limit, your self limit Dude. is I'm only worth three percent. I was lucky to get three percent. Like I was going out trying to get listings and being like, please list your house with me. I'm brand new. Like all these I'll do other it for one point. Well, hey, anything. I remember I listed, I won't even say his name on the, the podcast here, but I listed like a senator here in Arizona, listed his house and he beat me up. He's like, the best I'm gonna give you, Matt, is one and a half percent. I'm like, all right, I need the money. Yes, let's do it. You know? And yeah. I'm like, dude, I can't live this world forever. And like 3% would have been wonderful. But I was telling myself at that time, one and a half percent, anything, you know? And it's like, I that was not gonna be the long-term path for me. It wasn't gonna work. Well, you know, and, and it's like, do I want 3% commissions or 30% profits on a, yes. uh, uh, you know, or more? On, well, yeah, on, that was the crack estate. that was presented in the book. I'm like, okay, I'm dying over here for 1%, 1.5%. And you're telling me 
I, I could get into this and like flip paper, I guess, and make $10,000 on one deal, $15,000, $20,000 on one deal. And I have to deal with being, I always equate like being an agent as like, you're a, like a psychiatrist, maybe psychology. Like you have to like constantly worry about your clients. Like they're calling you. Yeah, you're a babysitter. Yeah, dude, is what it is. Calling you at midnight. Why isn't the house <laughs> yeah. selling? It was terrible. But yeah, that well, was the Well, that book got you in the, in the door. And see, mine was, my, my mentors when I first started was a bunch of old timers. Mm. And I was showing you pictures that I actually pulled up. <laughs> it's shockingly Dude. funny who I learned real estate from. This at first off, this dates me a little bit, but these were my mentors. I don't know if you can actually see this. I'll, I'm going to show every camera here just to show you. Maybe are maybe those I'll real estate it. investors these, or these, this is Jack Miller <laughs> and John Schaub and Pete Fortunato and Lyle Wall? They kind of like, look like the mafia. Dude, I don't they know. got polyester suits with like the 70s yeah. things. I mean, it is it is wild. And we used to go to these seminars and there'd be like 300 people there mm -hmm. and a wooden table in the middle and one of those old school projectors with like the little film. Yes. And it was so freaking boring. And they would just sit there and do case studies over and over and over and over. And right. I loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Well, just pages and pages of notes, books. You were telling me like their, their products, they still actually, you were showing me they're still doing this stuff Dude, like we, to this day. I, I, we we went to one of their websites just to see what was going on. It literally said, what did it say? Been doing this. Uh, it was like nine years. Well, not nine. Hold on. I'm, I'm, I got to go back. It says, ready? Been doing real estate since 1965. I was messing with my kids the other day. I said, I said, you know, I was born in the 1900s. And they just kind of looked at me like processing that for yeah, a second. Yeah. Like, God, that sounds so old. Oh, shit. 1965. Well, yeah. I mean, you got these kids, are, they're I mean 21 in real estate and they're like born in 2002. It's like, what? This is crazy, but you've been at it for a while, man. Like, I just appreciate like all the stuff that you've done. Like you didn't even know you were a mentor of mine, but like I learned a lot from you and like yeah, it largely that's, got me here. That's for awesome. Sure. Well, these guys, you know, what's funny about these old timers is everything that mm. we as current real estate investors do in mm -hmm. creative finance, whether it's a subject to transactions, a wraparound mortgage, a contract for deed, um, most of the wholesaling that we do. Mm-hmm. Anything we do inside of a self-directed Roth, like any flipping or owning or rentals, a lot of the note stuff, all of the cash flow, slicing and dicing right. of income streams, all came from this group. And it's weird to think that this one little group's transactional engineering and understanding of the tax code and just the real estate laws and just how to approach a deal as a creative finance guy has rippled out to now impacting right. every single investor that plays the game. And, and because back then, probably to them, it was only cool to them, you know, or the people that were in their oh. group. It's like, who else is going to do this? They were stuff? bankers and, yeah. and, and guys that hated paying taxes. They didn't want to pay tax. They hated mm -hmm. the, the interest rate environment. They were, these were 18% right. interest rates at, at a point. And they were like, screw this. There's got to be a more creative, better way. And yes. so they, they figured out the roadmap. That we're now all using. And it just seems so brand new now. And you, know? you see a Pace Morby or, yes. or a Matthew yeah. out there putting out Dude. content and stuff around creative finance. And nobody even understands. We're not those guys. Not at all. The origin was way back there. 
That's crazy. Yeah. You know, I obviously learned a lot along the way, even though I didn't, you know, I've never learned anything from Pete or any of these guys. Like I know that the people that stood on their shoulders did, and that's the people that I've learned from. But again, mm -hmm. nowadays with interest rates being super high and people trying to figure out how to make money for like, for us, 2023 was like, look, not only can we just not survive, but let's also try to thrive as best as we can. Cause there's so many people struggling and creative finance was the way to do that. But like, I know so many folks that, again, the people that I learned from had to have come from the same yeah. lineage. And there's so many different ways to make money in real estate. And I was like, it came from this. Well, all right. So now it's 2024. Mm -hmm. Last year was, you know, the word I put out to the world was turbulent. This this year is, yes. you know, just intentional focused, right? Which it, we got to get, get everything just dialed in. Um, your last five deals, let's just say. Yeah. Were they wholesale deals, rehab deals, creative finance deals? 100%. So, you know, I think what was interesting about the 2023 market was that I was reading like a Realtor.com article and they were saying affordability hadn't been this bad since like 1985, which is crazy. You know, I wasn't even alive in 1985. So I'm like, oh, that's crazy. And then as far as like active listings that actually sold on the market was it hasn't been this few since I believe it was like 1993. So just crazy. Like 2023 would be remembered as like the year that the market froze. Right. And in 2022, like taking a little step back to the summer where they started raising those interest rates, us, like us as a company, like we were just doing fix and flips. We were doing uh, just a tremendous amount of like wholesale deals. We we're selling hedge funds. And that felt like we were printing money because like they were buying like 95% ARV, just crazy. And then when the interest rate started to go up, literally that same day when they, the feds announced that they were raising just a half percent, then they're like, I had so many emails from all the hedge funds saying, we're pausing buying indefinitely. We're pausing buying indefinitely and everybody's losing their mind. And I just had to take, it took me about a day or two, but I was thinking like, okay, well, in any market, like who is the most affected, right? Up, down, sideways. I remember when I told my family I was getting into real estate, they said, oh, well, that's really good, Matt. The market's really good. You know, they were, there was a little jab in there, but it wasn't anything serious, but it was almost like, hey, you can make money when the market's good, but we all remember 2008, so good luck to you. You know, and I just remember feeling so small, like, man, I, I don't want to just make money when the market's good. I want to be able to make money when the market isn't good or if it's going down or if it's not doing anything at all, there's got to be opportunities and there always is. So when the interest rate started to go up, just really started to think about, man, okay, well, who's the most affected right now? If we're talking about not a lot of buying activity on the retail side, because I'm a retail guy, you know, it's really starting to get into the commercial stuff now, but like, I, that was the world that I got into, which I feel like a lot of investors kind of start there. And, but that was my world. I'm like, okay, well, as the residential side, single family, who's the most affected right now by the rising interest rates? And for me, the conclusion was anybody who needs to sell their home, like not just wants to, but needs to. So the, the same people that are going through foreclosure or probate, divorce, whatever, relocation, 95% of the time they go get a real estate agent right? They're, when someone needs to sell their house, they normally get a professional to do sure. it. So it's like, okay, well, there's a good chance that these people who have not a ton of equity, they have their properties listed on market. There's a good chance that you know the only solution for them is going to be something on the more creative finance side because they definitely need to sell their property or else they've already raised their hand. How are they going to be making two mortgage payments, three mortgage payments or whatever? These start, people starting to fall behind. So we started going more towards, all right, we're going to work with on market listings, start working with real estate professionals, bringing this creative solution to the table. And, you know, from there, that's how we built our whole entire business in 2023. I've personally purchased, it was right under 15 million in real estate, but it was all single family, you know, and like now looking at this year, I'm like, all right, I need to be more efficient. I'm gonna start buying some multifamily stuff. But like at that point in time, I was like, okay, well, not only can I 
put this deal together. And if it works for me, right? Let's just say a $300,000 house, they owe 280. They're not going to walk away with any money if they sell it on market. If this deal works for me and I'm able to structure something that just makes a ton of sense, it also works for thousands of other investors who want to build their portfolio this year, right? Not people who are waiting on the sideline, but if you want to buy, like Burr basically died because of the interest rates. Yeah. If you want to buy right now, this is the way to do it and build your portfolio. So we started structuring these deals and not only were was I able to purchase deals as it came through, I treated my business as like, hey, I want to buy the best ones. And then the good ones, they're still good. I'll sell those to other investors, right? And we wholesale creative deals, basically. So that's how our entire business basically ran in 2023 was finding good on-market opportunities, structuring creative financing terms with these homeowners and keeping the best ones and selling the rest. So what I'm hearing is uh, you pivoted, mm-hmm. right? You're yep. nimble, which mm-hmm. you got to be. And be. you leveraged real estate agents that maybe were struggling with their listings a little bit. 100%. And it was like, hey- let me come to the table and be another tool in your tool belt. Mm-hmm. Now, did the real estate agents still get their commissions? Oh, yeah. So, like, the way that we structured these deals is always, like, how much money do I need to come to the table with, right? And what you have to have is two willing parties. You can't work these deals out if someone's like, I got to get 6% commission or else I'm not going to do it, which are plenty of agents. That's most of them. They want to get their 6%. Yeah. But for the most part, I think sometimes, especially you add in that little, uh, the extra, I guess the X factor is time as these pro- properties sit around, like agents start to say like, okay, we're getting paid something is getting paid better than mm-hmm. nothing. So we normally contribute like a hat, like one and a half percent of their 3% commission. So they still get paid, but like they have to work so with smart. us a little I bit. Mean, yeah. Just think th- these agents, they're, they're backs against the wall. Oh yeah. Days on market are increasing across the country. Right. They're looking at it like, man, I, I put up a post. I took the pictures. I did all this work. It's now two, three months in, yes. maybe four months in. Properties never took that long to sell. And now all of a sudden here you come and you say, listen, I'm going to be like a plan B. Right. For you. Bring me in when ready. Yeah. But I'll make sure you get paid at least something. Yes. I'll be your backup plan and we're exactly. going to do, but I need you to understand that we're going to approach this a little creatively because the only way I could afford to pay the price that they want mm-hmm. is if they let me either take over the financing that's already in place or, you know, or- Guys, or, I think Cody has done this before. Yeah. I, well, I'm just pulling, <laughs> pulling it out of you so that way yes. anybody listening. Yes. That's so, Because I want them to start to visualize exactly like- it. like if you're sitting there struggling, how am I going to afford to, to, to buy leads or send a direct mail or use Cody's AI software and all this crazy stuff? Right. And you don't have a lot of resources. You got to be scrappy. 100%. And it's like, you can get a list of all the real estate agents with active listings over 60 days mm-hmm. and just start building a relationship with them. And it's mm-hmm. all about the approach. It's like, let me be your plan B. Exactly. Uh, and so that's how, you, that was like your main source of main kind of- source. And you know, it's like, again, not to take advantage of the situation or anybody. It's like, no, legit, we have to be at these numbers to make this deal work. And we want to get you paid. And more importantly, like I saw it as more like, hey, look, finally, as a buyer, we have leverage. We didn't have leverage forever. You know, like when I, when I got into this in 2018, 2019, properties are flying off market. COVID hit and it was even more. It was crazy. Like as a buyer, like literally you call an agent being like, hey, you, you got anything that I could potentially buy? No, kick rocks. I have millions of other investors who want to buy properties. Yeah. But when the interest rate started to go up, finally as buyers, we had leverage. Are you saying yeah. you're now the hot chick walking into the club finally? Finally, Finally, dude. we're the finally, hot chick walking dude. into the club. You know, it's <laughs> it's like uh, the, the shift between a... a a seller's market to a buyer's market mm-hmm. is just slowly starting to happen. Yep. Um, okay. So, and the other thing I heard that was really smart is your back end buyer shifted from just rehabbers, which were buying the majority, right, or 
funds that we're holding on to it yep. over to we're going to focus on landlords that are that get the creative acquisition right. purchase. So you would say, would you tell the original seller that you're going to wholesale this creative deal? 100%. You're disclosing everything, letting everybody oh, know. Oh God, yes. And that way on the back end, you're telling your buyers, hey, we're going to let, you're going to pay me some fee for putting this deal together, mm-hmm. but you could step right in yeah. and I'll assign you my rights to this creative deal. Yeah, 100%. And like, that's very important with these types of deals because when you buy a creative deal, you're not buying it today. You're not selling it in 60 days. You're keeping this thing for 10, 15, 20 years, as long as you possibly can. So I think all parties need to understand the risks that are involved, but also like the way that we tell the sellers and the agents, say, look, I will, I try to buy as many as I possibly can in our small little company over here. But if it doesn't work for me or I bought too many, I definitely have hundreds of other investors who want to buy the same exact deal, right? So we disclose to them like, look, if I'm not going to buy it, we will let you know if it's not me and it's someone else. And like disclosing that you are assigning a creative deal is probably the most important thing that I see many, many, many people get wrong. And like you open yourself up for a can of worms, whether it doesn't happen or it does happen, whatever, is I've just learned I'm not really the most risk person. I don't like taking on a ton of like, I want to be able to sleep well at night. And in 10 years, I don't want to worry about like, assigning a deal that someone didn't know that I was assigning, you know, because especially if they're staying on title, they literally, you're asking the seller to stay on the debt while literally selling that you're putting someone else on title. So it's, there's a lot to these deals. And I think just learning from real estate school, disclosing as much as you possibly can yep. is, yeah. uh, is the Anytime name of the game. Anytime you touch a creative finance deal, it's better to overly disclose for everything. I they're, tell they're, people how I'm going to make money on it. Yeah. You know, like, and then like, I hear people like sometimes in my Zooms and stuff, people are like, why did you explain to them how you're making money? Because it's important they understand that in five years, when this property, if it appreciates, that's my appreciation, not theirs. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I tell every seller, I am a for purpose investing company. And they go, what does mm-hmm. that mean? Yes. And I, because that's a weird way to say it, right? Yeah, I say, yeah. listen, I'm I'm not nonprofit. I'm not for profit. I'm for purpose, meaning a, a portion of all my that. real estate that. proceeds goes towards animal conservation. But I always make a profit. Yes. And so I'm I'm I am going to make you an offer that's going to make me a profit. My profit goes towards a good cause and it helps me live the lifestyle of my dreams. Yes. Now in 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 let's take a s- step back. That was all of 2023. Are mm-hmm. we going to continue doing that in 2024? So I think an interesting pivot that, you know, just seeing like for for me, this approach doing creative financing was to survive the market shift, and also make some money doing so, right? We weren't making the money in 2023 like we were printing money, selling deals to funds, right? But again, I did like, for me, I want to be in real estate for the rest of my life. So this was the best opportunity at that point in time with the resources we had. And I think what's interesting, they haven't even dropped the interest rates yet, right? And buyer demand, it's already like, I don't know, I can't give you guys a specific number, but I know active listings right now are getting full price offers. And I know the fix and flippers in my network, they're listing properties and they're getting over market price offers again. So I think it's an interesting time because I think people want to be more optimistic about the market. Like last year was like doom and gloom. When is this ever going to end? When are they going to stop raising interest rates? Where they talked about like, again, they haven't even done it. Like, are they going to drop it four times? Patrick Bet Davis said they're going to potentially do it six times. Whatever it ends up being, I think there's a lot more optimism in the market. So like whoever tells you that, you know, whatever happens on the retail side doesn't matter. It matters, man. Like whatever that in person is buying that home or buying that piece of that asset, it affects you as an investor tremendously. So the positive energy heading into 2024, I think it's going to lead to a lot more, you know, 
opportunities in the single family space. But more importantly, I think for for me, where I want to make some of the bigger pivots is more on the commercial side because like we're starting to see some of these, just the older folks are just, they're just getting tired of managing these bigger portfolios. Like we, the mom and pop folks who have like 20 properties in Alabama, we're negotiating a, a 12 unit motel in, in Florida right now. These are just, I'm dealing directly with the principal and, you know, seller finance is commonplace for some of these deals. And you put together a good deal, like these deals are worth massive assignments. Like these are, if I wanted to sell the portfolio, like we have one in Jacksonville, we sold, it was $160,000 assignment fee on one deal. And it's like, Ooh, you know, how it's much? Like 160 grand. Boom. For one deal. And yeah, it's that's like, huge. That, that, that's a game changer. It is. And I think that is going to be a really interesting opportunity this year. Yeah. You know, more on the commercial side stuff. Yeah. And, and it's it's cool because I had uh, one of my good friends. I'm not going to say who it is because I don't want to out anybody because uh, they're in the middle of the deal. But I had a really good friend of mine, um, houses in La Jolla, California. Mm. Beautiful house. And he called me the other day and he said, listen, I have, uh, I've been renting for, I don't know, 30 grand a month. And I uh, had the owner call me because we had a leak or something in the house. So I called yep. them and I was asking them to fix fix something. And the owner uh, threw out like, hey, you know, I don't know if you'd ever be interested, but on other properties I've had, I've actually sold seller finance. And he goes, but I don't know what to do. I don't even know what that means. And I said, <laughs> oh, this is amazing. Like, what a great opportunity. And he said, well, how should I approach? I said, really simple. I said, first off, first question you ask is, how much do you think you could sell this property for and put in your pocket at, in its current condition without making any repairs mm -hmm. after you pay all the realtor fees and everything? Get the owner to commit to a number. Mm -hmm. Because if that number is 10 million, let's just say. Mm -hmm. okay, these are real expensive properties. Yeah, on, for sure. On the 30 cliffs. grand in rent, I'm going to assume. Yeah, these, yes. are, these are mansions in La Jolla. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, get them to... Uh, commit to a number because that's the give that we're giving to the seller. We're always trying to pin them in. Like, what do you think your house is worth that you would put in your pocket after all expenses? If you sold it today on the open market yeah. and if that number is 10 million, then right behind that is like, okay, so if I was able to get you the 10 million without having to do any of the repairs or, or no, at, no, let me back up. If the number was, let's say 10 million, mm -hmm. if I say, Hey, if I add back in commissions, back into the deal and I paid you that amount. So there was no commission. So maybe 10 and a half million. Mm -hmm. And you carried this mortgage for me. Mm -hmm. Would you allow me to just continue to pay my $30,000 a month payments in equal monthly payments until I pay you off? Oh, right. It's just a great <laughs> position, right? It's just like, Hey, I'm already paying 30 as a renter. Right. Let me just continue to pay that 30. But now all 30 goes towards principal only payments and, yes. and, and he goes, okay, so what happens if she comes back and says, well, how much are you going to put down? I say, that's a great question. I said, if she asks you to put any money down, you just say, well, I would love to put money down, but you know, I'm nervous of the economy. I'm nervous of the market and the house needs some work. I, how about this? Instead of me putting 100, 200, 300, 500,000, whatever you're going to ask me to put down, what if I commit to putting that into the house? and make all the repairs. Mm. That way, if anything ever happened yes. and I had to give you your house back, you'd have a nicer house and see what they say. And he goes, like, I could, I could feel yeah, the light, light bulb, bulb starting to yeah, go off. Yeah, like, yeah, it was yeah. like, oh, wow, I could do that. It's like, of course you can do that. That's the beautiful thing about creative finance. Well, what if she wants an interest rate? I said, oh, that's a great thing. So you just go back and say, well, what interest rate would you like me 
to give you. And mm-hmm. if she says, or the owners say five, 5% or whatever, you just say, well, I could pay you that, but that would increase my payments and give me a little bit of stress on my cash flow. And I really want to keep it to the 30,000 I'm already comfortable paying. And I've been mm-hmm. paying that for a long time. So I just don't want any issues. What if I just increase my purchase price by a couple hundred grand? Would you be okay with me doing the interest kind of baked into the purchase price? Wow, I could do that. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you could do that. And 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 then the last piece was, I said, how old are these owners? Oh, they're like in their, like right around 60 years old, like early 60s. I said, well, if you do a 30-year mortgage, they're going to be dead, you know, by By the time time you're done paying. So if she has heartburn or they have heartburn about the length of the payment, you just balloon it at a certain point. Right. And he goes, what's a balloon? I said, it just, just, you're like to negotiate this whole deal. Yeah. I'm like, you just, you just, you you try to say 15 years, like, Mm -hmm. like start with the big number, 20 years, 15 years. And then work your way backwards if if they say no. But uh, okay, in 15 years, I'll refinance and cash you out. Would that work for you? And your goal is every time they they pull any other lever, down mm-hmm. payment, interest rate, length of loan, you just keep messing with the one thing that they really care about that sounds good to them, which is the purchase price. That purchase price, And baby. the light bulb went off and- my buddy was like, oh my God, I'm going to end up owning this house. And I said, you're going to get the tax benefits from this house. You're going to sneak your way into a deal because now's the time. Yeah. Now is the time. I'm actually working on buying my own primary residence the same exact way. I will never go to a bank, put never. 20 or 25% down, jump through 50 billion hoops as an entrepreneur running six businesses. Heck no. Signing all those personal guarantees. Once I learned creative finance, I'm like, why would I ever go do that? Never, ever. You know why men go and do that? Because you're dumb and you let your (laughs) wife talk you into dumb things. And Mm. you think, I'm a happy wife, happy life. I'm going to let, my wife wants this house. No, you moron. Learn this skill. Tell your girl, no, I'm going to go find (laughs) us a deal that will allow us to get in with $0 out of our pocket. And I promise you, after like a few months of us living in this other place, you're going to forget all about the the little dream home that you thought we had to have because our bank account's going to be flush. And when the world goes to shit, we're going to be sitting in a great position. Right. That's our job as men to be vision casters, right? You got to stick your foot down. I mean, I personally just went through a refinance myself and just the amount of headache. I'm like, this is a reason why I don't own any other properties like this. It's the worst thing in the world, you know? So that's crazy. So you helped this guy negotiate a tw- basically a $12 million property on seller finance. Yeah. And it was cool. And, 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 and he go, what do I do next? And I said, where'd you leave it? Oh, she's going to call me back. And I said, then you let her call you back. You're not chasing this deal. No. You, in fact, I would do the opposite. I would, I would just keep making her come to the table to try to solve your gap, your problem, by saying, I really want to do this and my family would love to live here, but I'm scared. Because mm-hmm. when you're scared, it's not a negotiation. When it's scared, it's a solution. Right. It's a different frame approaching Very the negotiation. He, he's like, oh, dude, I'm going to play the scared scared ticket. I'm like, dude, perfect. I love it. And, you're like, and I think the caveat to that deal too is like, you may walk away with $10 million if you sold this home, but how much are you paying in taxes? You know? Oh, that's like, the other thing. Uh, you just, you're, sorry to cut yeah. you off, but like the other thing is if I cash you out today, you're going to mm-hmm. have a massive tax liability. 100%. If I pay you payments over time, mm-hmm. your tax liability happens over time. <laughs> right, exactly. The other thing is I said, look up historically what prices in La Jolla have done over a 10 year span. I bet you they mm-hmm. go up four to 8% per year. Mm-hmm. It's got to be somewhere in that range. Yeah, somewhere right? in that range for sure. That means if you're making principal only payments, not only are you paying down your mortgage, at, let's say she says, I want you to balloon me in 10 years. Yeah. Okay. 
That's 10 years worth of 30K payments. Mm-hmm. Okay. How much are you going to owe at the end of 10 years? Go into your little mortgage calculator, mm-hmm. put in 0% interest, put in the uh, balance of the yeah, loan, that's what, put that's in like no down payment. 3.6 million off? No, a little bit more than that. Yeah, 3.6 million. Every year. Yeah, yeah. For, for 10 years. That's crazy. Right? Yeah. By the time, right? Well, 3.6 million, 10 years, we whatever the purchase price is, minus 3.6. So, but again, yeah. you basically got 8% on top of that. You know, yeah, your price is going up. Your, your, your amortization is going down. Yes. It's the That's it's the perfect deal. One hundred percent. All right, now we beat yeah, that. And eight percent on eight percent on ten million is pretty significant. Oh, you know, <laughs> it's a game changer. And, but those are, those deals. Winston Churchill once said, "Never let a good crisis go to waste." Mm. That's exactly what's happening right now. We are looking out and going. We ought to make a choice. We could be scared. We could be fearful. We can run for the hills. We can take our little bit of money and hoard it and try to protect it. But that's what poor people do. That's what losers do. Mm. Financially literate winners take advantage of the opportunity. They say, okay, I only have this many resources. What creative things can I start doing today in order to get into the best deals? Now, he's going to end up living in this house. Imagine if he did this 10 more times on houses that produce cash flow. It's a game changer. This is how you get to being uh, uh, at retirement age and not have your hand out hoping that the government puts a little cheese in it every month. 100%. That's the difference. One, never take it. Take advantage of a good crisis. Wow, I never heard yeah, that. That's really yeah. good. That's really, and, and again, that price point for this house is like the same kind of price point you would be dabbling in a multifamily or commercial. So like you could see how that could turn into a lot of cash flow. If you're able, and like, it's also pretty commonplace. At that kind of price, that seller finances is like, oh yeah, that's, that's normally the way people do this because like it's tough to get bank loans on these types of properties. And I know this is a little counterintuitive, but that's good debt. Yeah. He, he is stepping into good debt. Bad debt is you going to buy a wave runner, right? Nice. Going to get a, 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 a motorcycle and for, for the weekends. Yeah. Like bad debt is toys and cr- high interest credit card payments and like vacations Dude. that you're putting on your credit card and all that weird shit. And you could do some fun stuff with this note you, too. You putting, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, you could do substitution collateral. You can have the collateral be your business. If you have an LLC, you can move the debt over to your LLC. Now you own this $10 million property free and clear that you can go leverage for more loans if you need it for your business or whatever purpose. Like there's all kind of stuff. Like that's why seller finance is so amazing. And like just the stuff like you're telling me, there's a, m- a thousand million different ways to go about putting these deals together. But as an investor, or even like this is an opportunity for him to become an investor by putting the deal together because basically the seller is giving you $10 million to buy their house on a note. And as you're, you can decide what you want to do with that note and what clauses you want to put in there. Substitution collateral, um, you know, always being able to, sub, what is it? The uh, permanent subordination clause. Like other things to put in that note to make it even more infinitely valuable. So like that's a whole nother conversation, but like it's, it yeah. can go down a rabbit hole there. So many of our listeners reach out and they ask us how they can get involved in my actual real estate deals. Our investment firm specializes in finding deeply discounted properties, acquiring them, renovating, stabilizing both single family and multifamily properties all over the United States. That's why we're so excited to share with you clevercapitalfund.com. Now, if you have some investment capital and you want to deploy it and receive double digit returns back by real estate, then visit our website and see which fund is right for you. We have both equity funds and we have debt funds where you just get paid out every month like clockwork. All you got to do is visit www.clevercapitalfund.com today to learn more. 
All right, this this big ass deal you did, 160k profit. Was that one mm-hmm. of your biggest deals you've ever done? What's the what's the big boy deal that you? <sighs> yeah, ever done? I, I think my when we were selling to hedge funds, my biggest assignment to a hedge fund was like 95 grand. But nice. like, but we were doing, but they were just more consistent, you know. And I think this one that's 160 grand, 100 is my biggest one time fee. I bought a foreclosure here in Phoenix back in like. 2019 and then we bought it for like 220 sold it for 420 but like it was a flip and that's 100 the biggest assignment um but it came from again a guy he's getting older he has 25 properties this is his first eight so i'm looking to buy the rest of them but uh it was like in a historic district and you know he knew that they needed some work and he wasn't the best at keeping the paper so he had like here's my leases from 2015 mm. you know and he just he 100 just tired of dealing with the properties and they need work so it was a good value add for the person then coming in to buy the properties not something for me, but definitely something for whoever like wants to buy more properties in the area for sure. Are you managing all your own rentals and oh god, the- I tried, and it was not good. It was it was a shit show for sure. I so I have a guy, uh, his name's Frankie in the office. He helps me manage like the portfolio because too many things are falling through the cracks. And we have uh, Hemlane. Uh, Brian actually put me on Hemlane. That's like an online like web based service. Mm-hmm. Um, they handle like applications and stuff like that. Um, but no, I do not do my own management. It's yeah. a pain in the backside. Yeah. My, my favorite thing to do with, with, when you know, creative finance, my favorite thing to do is a creative finance deal on the front end, on the acquisition, whether mm-hmm. that's a sub two or wraparound mortgage, mm-hmm. and then a lease option on the back end. Mm-hmm. That's always been my go-to combo. Yes. I like it because I retain ownership. Now, if I owned my rentals free and clear, I would, uh, and my friend Brett Tanner did this, mm-hmm. you know, Brett. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Brett Tanner did this. He had been purchasing rental properties for so many years that he right. ended up with like a hundred rentals and he paid them all off. Right. He was smart. He, he, um, there's a snowfall, like a snowball technique mm-hmm. that old timers taught. And I always thought it was really great. Um, essentially the model looks like this. So picture your first house, you go and you do mm-hmm. a creative finance deal on your first house. You get in, now you have, let's call it 500 bucks a month in cash flow coming in from this little house. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you go and you buy your second house. Okay. And maybe you had to put, you know, a few thousand bucks to get in the first deal, mm-hmm. but now you got 500 bucks a month coming in. And, uh, then you go buy a second house and you do the exact same thing again. But instead of living off your $500 a month in cash flow from the first house, you take the first house and the second house that you did and all the leftover cash flow and you pay not only the mortgage of the first house, but you make an extra payment with all the cash flow. Uh Then you go do it with the third house and you keep getting in with creative finance deals and you keep diverting all your cash flow. Let's say you end up, let's say you just take all like, but at the end of like two years, you end up with 10 houses in your rental portfolio. Instead of touching any of the cash flow of all 10, you take all 10 and divert them to the first houses and you make an extra payment. Now you pay off the first house in like five years. Right. Six years. So if it's like a $150,000 house, you're able to pay that whole house off in like six years because you have so many extra payments coming in that you just pay it off really quickly. Once that's paid off, now you just divert everybody to the second payment, but it starts to compound because now the first house is free and clear. So instead of making 500, you're making 1500 or 2000 a month in cash flow, And it just starts snowballing. By the time you get to the fourth, instead of the second house taking another six years, the second house only takes three years. Right. Then the third house takes one year. Then the fourth house takes six months. And it's just like, That's you start, wild. like the cash flow just starts going boom, 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 boom. Now those numbers might be a little off with the amount right. of months. I'm 
explaining the concept. The concept is the snowball technique. That's true investing he did right that. there. I like and that. And I thought it was like really that. brilliant because then he ended up with 100 free and clear rentals. Right. And you would think that's good enough, right? For anybody who wants to live a great life. If you have 100 rentals, all owned free and clear that are making, let's say, 1000 bucks a month, how much do you have coming in every month? Yeah, $100,000, yeah. You could do a lot with 100000 mm -hmm. I'm here to tell you, just from personal experience, by the way, I make way more than $100,000 a month. And I spend <laughs> over $100,000 every single month. Like it, it could happen. Like you can elevate your 100%. lifestyle real quick. Keep it going. You think that, oh man, I'm going to live this. No, no. But what he did was really smart. He took his, all of his rentals okay. and he sold every single one on seller finance. So now he's on the other side of the equation. Now he's he's the now the now. bank. Yes. And he does them all at 9% interest a seller finance deal where he gets some money down, he seller finances everybody, and he does it in a tax-free environment. And that's it's a beautiful thing. brilliant what he does. beautiful thing. He, took, he takes his little hundred grand a month, and he, I don't know how he did it, but I mean, the internal rate of return is like 23% or 25%. He, he jacked up his returns by like that's crazy. 5X, 10X. Yeah, and like, that's on an AM schedule too. You know, that 9% is like the first 12 years is mostly interest. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. I love it. Yeah. We did, we did a quite a few of those types of deals. They weren't seller finance last year. I did, actually I did one in North Carolina. We literally just wrapped up two weeks ago. Um, but like with the wraparound mortgage strategy, right? Now what happens when I do that is I do lo lose the ownership of the property. So I don't like lease option makes a ton of sense because you retain ownership. Um, but some of these properties where I'll never go, like I have one in Winter Haven. I got one in Bessemer City, North Carolina. I have seven in San Antonio. Like I'm not really going to go see these properties, nor do I want to build a portfolio there. I wrap them all. I went to the original owner. They have a, a bank conventional loan, 3% mortgage, $250,000 house. I go find somebody I can sell that house to for $300,000. They come in with a down payment. I take my interest rate to 10%, and that's where I get my cash flow from. I love that. Um, I was just looking something up because I, I, I can't remember the word, but I like to sell. If you're buying, you want to buy mm -hmm. on a wrap. Mm -hmm. Right, you want to mm -hmm. always buy on a wrap. Yep. But when you sell, you really don't want to sell on a wrap. Mm. You actually want to sell on an agreement for sale or yes. contract for deed. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the reason is the the if the ten, if the buyer stops paying, yes. in order to get your property back, instead of having to foreclose on them like you would, if you wrap a mortgage, mm -hmm. it's a new mortgage. So you Brand are giving new. the buyer a new mortgage. Yep. You're the bank. And you're just wrapping the underlying loan and giving the buyer a new mortgage. Yep. But if you sell on a contract for deed or an agreement for sale, now, instead of having to foreclose on that person, and I was trying to figure out what the word is, but it's like a, you file a, it's like a redemption or a, I forget the legal term. Maybe it'll come to my mind. But you can essentially take it back a lot faster without having to go through the foreclosure process. Honestly, and you know how amazing. I learned this? So, this is so fucked up. Tell me. We, you all, you never want to buy on an agreement for sale if you can avoid it. Mm. We bought a property in like Kingman, Arizona okay. on an agreement for sale. I don't know why we did it, but somehow it snuck <laughs> right, in there and we did it. Sure. We were buying so many of these little like yeah, yeah, houses yeah. in these tertiary markets. Every month you come in and be like, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, and me <laughs> being me, I'm not like on the front line. So I was right. just like, oh, we bought four more rentals today? For like, sure, that's nice. cool. And, uh, we bought this property on an agreement for sale. And when you originally purchase, you set everything up in like a, a servicing company. Servicing, we yeah. set it all up, right? Well, the servicing company would 
send us an invoice, like a, like a mortgage coupon every single month. And they would do this month after month. For well, sure. now it's been like 13 months since we bought it. All of a sudden, we were making our payments like clockwork and we never thought anything of it. But all of a sudden, we got two payments back. And it took 60 days before we finally got them back. And we we're like, that's weird. Why did they send our payments back? That doesn't make any damn sense. And all of a sudden, we call them up and they're like, oh, well, what happened is the original bank reassessed the property for new property taxes and the property taxes went up by like $13 or $12 a year. And because your check wasn't the exact amount, we couldn't cash it. So we had to send it back to you. So you need to increase the check by 12 or 13 bucks and then resend it. Right. What we didn't think about though, so, so we did that. For what sure. we didn't think about was the original owner that sold us the property on a contract for deed all of a sudden gets notified by their, from their bank that they're 60 days late. Mm. This lady lost her fucking mind. Black lady <laughs> calls. I mean, she she was pissed. <laughs> Who the fuck you think you are oh coming God. over here fucking up my credit? I can't get my new apartment now because you fucked my credit. I was like, oh hey, no. that's Kingman, baby. She that's Kingman. was pissed. And we were like, terrified because we were like uh, we didn't miss a payment we didn't miss a payment and then we realized what was happening and we're like mm. we're so sorry she goes sorry doesn't fucking cut it like now my credit's getting a hit because i'm 60 days late dude oh my god and we said we made the payment they cashed the check everything should be good she goes you need to write a letter to mm -hmm. the mortgage company explaining what happened so which we did right and uh we had to write a letter to her new apartment building that she was trying to get, trying to explain and convince this them to let her get fiasco. her thing. Oh my God. And the worst part about it is it didn't work. So she had a friend that was an attorney and the attorney calls us up and says, I just want to let you know, we're unwinding the sale. And I said, you can't unwind this sale. What are you talking about? We own the property. They said, per us selling to you on an agreement for sale, because you missed the way the, I think it's like a redemption or something. Sure. The way it works is depending on how much money you put down per Arizona statute will mm -hmm. determine how much time frame you have to fix your mistake. And because we put little money down, we mm -hmm. only had 30 days to fix the mistake. And because we were at the 60 day mark, you had nothing they legally do. could take the property back and there was nothing we can do. They All they would have had to done is go down and file some paperwork. Property would have gotten taken right from underneath us. So all the money we put down- The, the money, monthly payment. No, no, no. The worst part is we lease optioned it to a back-end tenant oh. that was in there. So we would have had to break the lease, right. deal with the tenant, refund all the money, relocate them. This lady still would have been pissed. We would have lost 100% of all the money all we the put money. into the deal. Oh Thank God we were able to cool everybody down. Hallelujah. Get the thing back on track. We paid the lady a little extra money. We said, look, we're going to take care of your apartment. We'll take care of your credit repair. Mm. We'll take care of everything. This is our mistake. We had no idea that our stupid payments got reset by the tax assessment. Now we learned. That's what I'm saying. They from, don't teach you this in from school. From that point forward, yeah. we would always go into and have a login for everybody's a banking account. Mm -hmm. And we would go in there and set up automatic payments, not through a servicing company to automatically pull out of our account. 
And we made sure that every month we went through every single one of our rental properties mm -hmm. and made sure that the payments were the right amount. So it was like a new checklist. Right. New thing. Payments. And yeah. honestly, like I was saying, they don't, they don't teach that to nobody. Like you learn that from experience. And like, I just feel like, especially in the creative world, when it comes to this kind of stuff, you know, no one talks about it. And I feel like it's just a wild, wild west to some degree. People are putting these deals together wrong and they're going to have to pay the price down the road, you know? So like, I that's I love the strategy though of buying on the wrap on the front end because that way you can control it. Because guess what? When you bought that property, it's got a new assessed value. The taxes are probably going up. You don't take that into account because we like because we buy a lot of creative deals like, oh, the PITI is this principal, interest, taxes, insurance. You don't bank on the taxes going up. And they taxes have a tendency to go up over time. Okay. So, you know, like just definitely something to take into account for. Like, yeah, and I I, I personally have a house right now in Maricopa, right down the road where she's gaming the system. You know, I wrapped it to her. I, I bought it. It was a foreclosure. I gave the original seller. They were getting divorced. So yes, you can still buy a home sub too and the couple's getting divorced. Take some communication to do so. But I gave one, uh, I gave the the ex-wife a 20. I gave him 20. And then I just took over the payments, right? And then I'm like, okay, cool. Now I, now that I have this mortgage, I'm going to go wrap it. I wrapped it to someone for 9%. Uh, she came in with $75,000 down, thank God, because I bought, I borrowed that money to fund the deal. And uh, and then she's been in it for like a year. And then like over the last six months, she's been going like a month or two or three months without paying and then pay it all at once. And then I'm like, hey, are we making the payments? And now she has like a attorney friend. And she's like, look, I don't have to pay for, uh, for 90 days until you can file a notice of sale. Like as if someone's in her ear chatting her yeah. up on gaming the system. And I'm like, so I had to get my attorney involved now. But th that's a lesson to... To be like, okay, well, I just learned so much from doing. Like, I'm not a big, like, course guy, you know? Like, I learned by just making mistakes and stuff. But, like, what you're saying with the agreement for sale would have saved me so much time with this lady. Because I would already been able to get the house back. Because yeah. I'm making that payment. Yeah, and you, you would have, and you would be able to keep all 75 grand. 100%. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so it's a, it's crazy. Well, all right. Let's, let's, let's get a little personal. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's do it. Are you Let's sure? Let's do it. Uh, please. You're raw? You're honest? Please. Yes. All right. I'm so ready. how are you feeling as you're navigating right now? <sighs> are you scared? Are you excited? How's your family life? How's the health? Like, And the reason I want to bring this up is a lot of us get into this business because we want to make a lot of money, mm. right? And we do. We that get, was we, the reason. We, 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 we start cracking the code. We get a little success and we get excited and we start leaning in on it. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's hard work. It's 24-7. People don't survive in this business that aren't all in. That's this true. isn't a dabbler's business, that. especially in this economy. Yes. So, so, you know, I've been on you about your health, mm -hmm. yes. right? Ever hey. since I met you, yes. I've been on you about your health. I'm like, come Guys, on, bro. We got to go. First time I ever met Cody in person, I was starstruck, fanboy. But like, as I was sitting there, you know, just like we're getting ready to do this live stream. Cody's like, so what do you got to do to get you to lose weight? I'm like, oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but for real, like I needed that uh, because like, dude, I went out, I got myself a nutritionist. I weighed in this morning, 29 pounds down from my highest weight. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. So we're, we're picking That's what it I'm up. talking about. Yeah. Because like, look, man, I, I let myself go tremendously. You know, I got into like, and then maybe it's my own limiting belief around like whenever I was in the best shape of my life, I was the brokest in my life you know, cause I couldn't really afford a bunch of food and I was working out like twice a day. I was a personal trainer. I ran a half marathon in Sedona. So like I was in good shape, but then like, I was like, dude, I, I'm in great shape, but I literally 
I'm I'm married. We're living paycheck to paycheck. I was broke, broke in 2018 when I read your ebook, you know? And I was like, well, never again. I'm taking ownership of my financial future. I can't tell you how many times I took a screenshot of my bank account being in negative. I'm like, never going to do this again. Never going to do this again. And it wasn't until like I decided to just be fed up with my own shit that I was like, all right, I'm going to make this happen. And I let everything else basically, I'm, I'm really obsessed. When I pick something to do it, I get super duper obsessed about it. Anything in my life. But like with, with real estate specifically, I stopped going to the gym. I stopped doing the little things that I was doing, like, you know, training for the marathon and doing the running and stuff. And like, yes, the business started to be successful because you take that energy and you put it towards anything, man, and you can be successful. But like, as the success started to stack up, I just started to feel worse and worse and worse and worse because I was gaining this weight. I'm like, who is this person in the mirror? You kind of feel kind of trapped in your body a little bit. I'm like, this isn't me. And I'm like, there's got to be a world where I can be successful, have money, and also be in great shape, you know? So, you know, I think more than anything, that alone, because I feel like the biggest challenge that, that, that folks have, and me personally in this category, is you start feeling bad when you don't keep your word with yourself, you know? Mm. Like, more than anything, like, I can, you know, make money and and do these things and be successful in one area, but like Zig Ziglar has like the wheel of life. I don't know if you've seen that, oh, but like yeah. the finance and all the things and like just being like super really good over here in the finance side, but everything else, I'm like you can't, I can't live a life like this. And I think it was like, I kept telling myself, I'm gonna wake up and go to the gym or I'm gonna eat better and I'm gonna do these things. And it just was, it would never happen. And I'm like, what, like who am I? Is this is the same person that became successful in the first place. And it was just because I wasn't keeping my word with myself. I was feeling really down and call it depressed or whatever. But it, you know, I think getting back on track is just, for me, I read the Atomic Habits, James Clear, little things that you can do every day. And it's just picking one or two things that you can be consistent with. Hell, for me, like I started this, like whenever you ask me like, hey, what do we got to do to get you back in shape? I'm like, shit, okay, this is getting out of hand. Um, You know, like for me, it was like, it was that moment. But also I was like, it's not just going to happen. I got to pick something to be consistent with. And for me, it was getting a nutritionist and saying, I am going to be consistent to Jaden because she is like, she's taking her time and giving me these meal plans and doing all this stuff. Like, I'm not going to let her down. Forget about me for a second. I'm not going to let her down. And I'm going to be consistent enough to say, look, I at least I'm going to commit to this. And just doing that action. Has every day been perfect? No. Have I fallen off for uh, a couple of days at a time, three, four days and didn't log my food? Yes. But overall, like staying consistent with it, like I know what, like, I think a lot of times we know what we should do. Like, I think we already have a lot of the answers to our own questions. Like I know like, oh, eat better, go work out, eat better, go work out. But life happens. I got two little kids. I got to watch, making all these excuses, but like, we all have the same amount of time, you know, and we can make time for ourselves. So I wanted to commit to her and, you know, be like, look, I'm going to make this happen and keep my word with myself. And then that just goes everywhere in your life. It helps me be a better leader for the guys on the team because like, because I feel better about myself. Like I can stand there in front of them and be like, guys, we got to expect more from ourselves. It's hard for me to do that when I don't expect more from myself. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah, good. Good for you to see that. Well, yeah. look, I'm proud of you. We got a lot more work to do. I'm proud of you. Oh, yeah. You know, my thing, and I can relate so much to it, what, what you're talking about. My, I carry all of my weight in my ass. Mm-hmm. I'm like, a, <laughs> I'm pear-shaped, bro. Like, when I get, when it starts going, it's like within 30 or 45 days, all mm-hmm. of a sudden, like, my pants no longer fit, nothing fits, and I just balloon. Um, and I remember my best friend, Mike Freeman, walking behind me one time and I was wearing like dress slacks 
And I could just feel like I'm stuffed in these mofos. Right. <laughs> and he's walking behind me and he's making fun of me as we're walking. Mm. And he, I think he said something like, bro, you look like uh, uh, you're a, a homeless guy with two hams stuffed in his pants. Something like he made some comment, and right. I remember it dug. So I was like, oh, "Oh my god! Oh god! Is that bad?" You never see yourself from the back. You don't. You never see yourself. And I remember thinking that Cody is got a it. dump truck. Yeah, what? I got the dump truck. <laughs> got the dumpy dump. You know, and, and and that doesn't work good for 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 me. That's not a good look. And so uh, I remember that was like the line in the sand moment where I was like, "All right, fuck this. I got to mm-hmm. get this shit together." Uh, Dude, look and at it's you hard. now, though. Yeah, no, it, and it's it's uh, somebody somebody actually hit me because I shared my biohacking regimen on social the other day, mm-hmm. and if you look at it, it's over the top. It's crazy. It's, I look at I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah, it's so over the top. It's like you know, fifteen twenty shots a week, right. every week, forever. That's crazy. Like I'm not like th- yeah. it's like I am literally t- this morning. I gave myself four, four shots. I take 10, 15 pills every day, four shots every single day, pretty much. And right. um, all these liquids and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. It is, I had to, I was super overwhelmed by it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I had to develop the habit. There's a lot of prepping that goes in. Sure. I don't like it, to be honest with you, but I forced myself to do it. Mm-hmm. And the outcome, because my body has the right nutrients, I have the right testosterone levels. I ha- I just added um, something called t- tessamorelin. Which mm-hmm. is an HGH derivative because so phase okay. one was just like lose the weight, sure, build them, start to build the foundation, get your testosterone checked, and make sure that your body has all the right vitamins and minerals. Yeah, all the shots are just vitamins and minerals. Interesting. It's not like I'm taking. I mean, like, you look like you I, can go play for the Cardinals. I, I, to be honest, thank you. With you. I have. I, yeah. There is like one or two peptides in there, but no, nothing major. Yeah, yeah. Most of it is just vitamins and minerals, just for gut health and and making sure that my body's optimized for sure. The TRT and the Tesmorelin, and that's for like growth. For sure. Like now yeah, we're yeah. gonna get we're gonna get cut and we're gonna grow. And I literally just added that. And somebody I shared my regiment online and somebody hit me back. And at first I kind of got offended by it. They were like, no, you're just taking steroids, bro. Because they just saw a bunch of needles and stuff. And I'm like, okay, maybe mm-hmm. that's just a misconception they have. So I replied back. I said, actually, I'm not, there's no steroids. It's testosterone replacement theory is the closest thing to a steroid, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's testosterone and um, everything else is vitamin and minerals. And then he started asking all these questions and questions and questions. And by the time we were done with this little back and forth, he was like, give me the name of your doctor. I'm getting on this shit right now. Right. But before I ever got to all this stuff, it was 75 hard two-a-days, mm. right? Getting yep. the habit yep, of yep, going yep. twice a day. Yep. Fasted cardio in the morning and a gym workout in the afternoon. Yep. And doing all my vitamins, minerals, and my testosterone levels. Beautiful. That's it. That's yeah. it. And for two years, I put in the work. It took two years to get here. Mm. Now, it's such a habit of mine. But I no feel, one sees that, though. I feel like shit if yeah. I don't do it. Mm. It's the weirdest. It's the opposite. And trust me, there's so many mornings I wake up. It's cold. It's dark. My girl sleeping next to me. She looks delicious. Right. The last <laughs> thing I want to do is get out of that bed. Right. But I do every single mm. time. Because I made that commitment to myself to not break character, to not do it. And that makes you better for everybody else, right? That's leadership. Mm. It's the ability to keep your promises to yourself. Mm. And when your people see the habit, they you, you cannot be denied. You cannot be stopped. They cannot right. talk you out 
of right. the vision and the goal. 100%. And that's how I look at everything. I'm like, okay, I'm going to walk into this fucking room, this office, and I'm going to immediately change the weather in this environment to where everybody just feels like there's so much hope and so much abundance and so much potential and prosperity that everybody's going to win because I'm in that motherfucking room. Because you're there. Because I'm there. Well, you feel that energy, dude. You know, you do. Y- y- your job as a leader, though, is to do is to be that guiding compass. That's because actions align with words, That's right? It. And that how you do anything is how you do everything. They see you take that and you do that in your personal life, then it's like, okay. This guy's serious. Like, and that's so much more respectable than someone than, you know, like even again, a leader being out of shape. What does that say about you? How you do anything is how you do everything. That and look, I buried my mom a little over a year ago, year and a half ago. And I posted a picture this morning. Mm-hmm. If you're watching this, go look at my Instagram at official Cody Sperber. Go find the picture of me sitting in front of my mom's casket. When you're sitting there, and you're, you're burying a loved one and you're reflecting on your life and all your broken commitments and mm. all of your regret and all of that pain you've carried around. And you're sitting there and you're really self-analyzing and going, how the fuck did I get here? And the, the whole point of that post was like, when are you going to stop the bullshit? When are you going to stop the lies? You cannot continue to run from this pain. You can't hide it in drugs and alcohol and vices and porn and and uh, overworking and pain and achievement and uh, gambling or whatever you're into. Whatever that vice is, mm-hmm. you can't outrun it. Eventually, it's going to catch up to you. And when it does, it's going to run you the fuck over. And all the money in the world, all that success that you think is making you significant, none of that's going to matter to you in that moment. Because the only thing you're going to care about is your health. And being back in alignment. My new phrase for 2024 is alignment always in all ways. Ooh. And I, I, like I what I mean by that is you have to keep your promises you made to yourself. Your words have power. You have to realize that your people are watching. They're, all of your that. team members are looking at you. All of your family's looking That's at so you. Good. Your kids are looking at you. And they're all saying to themselves one of two things. That person is a leader to me and I would trade places with that person in a heartbeat because they set the example for everybody. They are the standard. They are the barrier breaker. Or they're looking at you and saying, Mm-mm, I'm, they're, that's not for me. Why would I ever listen to you? You don't even listen to you. You don't even believe in you. Why would I believe in you? Always, always. Alignment. Alignment equals mm. velocity. Alignment is the key to... Joy and happiness and feeling successful and feeling significant. Ultimately, we all want one thing, to feel love. 100%. We want to feel love. We want to feel loved by the people around us. Feel significant. You can't get there when you don't love yourself. And that was Mm. the big epiphany for me coming out of therapy and my mom dying and going through a divorce and looking at my kids. I had to look at my kids. I I mean, it's it's the worst feeling in the world. It's like I knew I knew I was going to get a divorce. So in my mind, I'm slowly building up to this moment of like getting there. My kids had no clue. I ran them the fuck over that day when me and my ex-wife sat them down. I remember we're sitting in our master bedroom and we brought the kids in. I I refused to do it. It took weeks for me to finally get the words formulated. I couldn't do it. And I just kept running from it, running from it. And I, 
I'm, it's different now because I'm in such a great place and I'm in, I have so much love and joy and, and I, I feel so good because I'm in so much alignment. Oh yeah. But back then I was so scared. It was so overwhelming. And I thought I was going to die. It was like having an anxiety attack, like right on the verge. And I remember it was like, we're doing this. Shannon was like, we're doing this now. Like we're not punting this because I was like, let's do this tomorrow. She was like, we're doing it now. And she called the kids into the room. And so I can hear them running down the hallway. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe we're, what do we, we're going to wing this and do this now. And she was like, it's a bandaid. We're ripping it off. And I was like, fuck, okay. And I sat them down and I remember thinking, okay, how do I, like, what do I say? And I was just like, hey, listen, um, I want you guys to understand that none of this is, has anything to do with you guys. And that sometimes adults have to make really tough decisions that are really painful. And it's going to be very hard to, un and before I could even finish the sentence, I saw the tears welling up in my daughter's eyes. And I, and she waited until the moment I said, mom and I are getting a divorce. The second the words left my lips, it was like an eruption of pain. It was like this explosion. She lost her mind and my son started crying and she's like hyperventilating and my son is now crying and freaking out like, why, why, what did we do wrong? What do we, any divorced parent that had to go through that will be able to relate to that moment of just how awful it is. And I put myself in that position. All of those years of being out of alignment and just hiding my pain and achievement and making all these stupid choices that just drove me further and further and further and further mm -hmm. away from being dialed in with my family. Mm. And I knew, I knew every time I made the, the decision to stay at work a little longer or to focus on the next project or to lie to myself to say, okay, I'll, I'll, when we go on vacation, I'll shut it off. Like, but, and I'll pay it. But I knew I was lying to myself. I knew mm. I was just running from the truth. And it, it always catches up to you. And it was there the whole time. And once it does, you have to, you have to make the call in that moment. It, and to it, see your children, like before having kids, I couldn't imagine, you know, I still can't imagine the conversation, but like, you know, my parents were divorced, but it happened when I was like three years old. So I don't really know any difference, you know, but like to see, I can't imagine to see that like their face and the, you know, like what they're having to go through. And you're like, oh my God, did I do this to them? I didn't have this conversation with them, but like you did it though. And after you did it, like how did like did, did you feel moment, the relief? Or? No, I didn't feel relief. I thought I was going to die. It felt like ten thousand pounds was standing on me. Like, mm. like it was the worst feeling in the world. I thought, like, how can I? I'm Cody Sperber. I don't lose. Mm. But I was losing everything. I made a commitment in that moment that I will never disappoint her again. I looked in my daughter's eyes and I just internally I just said, never again. You will watch me become the man that you deserve to have as a father. You will watch me put in the work. You will watch me lose the weight. You Two will books. watch me connect spiritually. You will watch me step up as a dad. I will be the world's greatest dad. I will be present. I will be a great protector. I will be a great provider. I am going to treat your mom better now than I ever have ever. We, you're, you're going to watch me earn the respect back of this family. Through my actions, not no more big talk. 
all actions. And I don't care if it took me two, three years, five years, 10 years, I was going to set the standard that, that I, I will be the greatest divorced dad in the world. I will be the best co-parent so on planet earth. I will be the best ex-husband ever. I will be all of those things. And I was going to do all that, not just for my kids, but for my future partner that I knew was out there somewhere in the world. And I said, I will never again show up as a broken man. Mm. That I'm going to show up as the man that is worthy of a powerful woman. I love that. Because a dialed-in woman isn't going to be into some rich dude who's off track, all conceited, focused only on money, totally neglects his family, totally neglects his health, totally neglects his spiritual side, isn't connected with his friendships, but he's successful. You know, right. Uh, an OnlyFans chick is going to be attracted <laughs> to that guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I could go get right. some action, but I'm, never, I'm not going to actually find a dialed Dang, in woman. That's so good. And so I started putting in the work right then and there in right. uh, greatest power moves I ever made. And being a broken man, as in like, you know, I think, and even I've even found myself in this of like making money and justifying my actions around being successful financially, but then knowing that there's so much to, to work on, like my health and other things, like how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better dad? But like going back to like, look, because for me, when I first got into real estate, I was so, I, with being obsessed. I was not at home ever. And my wife was pregnant with our first boy. Mm. And like, I've been there. Yeah. And like, you know, we would, I would see each other, we'd see each other in passing. We'd watch Netflix, watch a quick show at the night, and I wake up the next morning and I'm, I'm off again. Right. And coming from a divorced household, I, we had, it was about three months. And then going into it, I was like, look, if I know for sure, if I continue to do it this way, we're not going to last. There's mm -hmm. no way, mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, we had a conversation and this was really early on say, look, it is, it's you first always. Like I, there's going to be times in life where things are a little out of balance because like there's necessary too, but I was doing things for me, disguising it as it was doing it for us. Oh yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So like, yeah, that brokenness can be in many different areas. Cause I found myself coming home and having a to-do list. You know, because like she wasn't getting fulfilled in the areas well, she wanted. What, to what get you that. did is you put her in her masculine. Yeah. When you yeah, put yeah. a woman in her masculine, she gives you the to do list after mm -hmm. a long day's work because Hell yeah, she's she's just looking at it like, look, we're surviving. We're yep. just two people surviving. Yeah. And this is my shit. I got to get this done, and I need your help doing it. And you're yep. not helping out around here. I'm ha I'm handling all this stuff, and I need you to help out around here. And that's the mm -hmm. that's the disconnect. Is I did that for way too long. You got to get her back in her feminine. And the yep. second you do that, and yep. you, you know, and they, like said this in other podcasts, they want three things, being a provider, a protector, and be present. And once mm -hmm. they feel that that connection yeah, back, yeah. they'll go right back into their feminine. It's, it's a beautiful spot to have them in. Right. I heard Andy Elliott say, like, be where your feet are. And that was so good. That's so, that's easy to remind yourself. Yeah, that's a good, that's you a good know, phrase. It's like, you know, when I'm here at work, I'm here at work. And when I get home, I'm dad, you know? Yeah. I'm 100% like, I'd, all the notifications on my phones are off and I'm just dad. You know, if you need to get a hold of me, maybe I check my phone by the time I put them down and go to sleep. But like, that's where I'm at. You that's know? good, bro. You know? Well, I want to see you continue uh, crushing it on the health side of things. Just getting going. You know, uh, like Wes Watson says, ripped, rich, and rare. Hey. That's the goal, right? Hey. We got to get there. <clears throat> we got to, we got to, you can be all those great things and yeah. a great example and yeah. in the best health of your life. 
and be killing it in real estate. I want to challenge you for two things. Okay. I'll have you back on the podcast okay. when you lose how much? 40 more pounds, 50 more pounds, 30 more pounds. Like what? G- give me a number. Let's call it 50. Ooh, that's a, that's a stretch goal. I like it. Yeah, I can do 50. Yeah, for sure. you, you should. You well, should I want to run again, so I need to lose 50 pounds. Okay, so. you got you to hit another 50 pounds, mm-hmm. and I want to see you push yourself into getting out of residential and into commercial. <laughs> we got to get you over into the big league because we're not playing the game yet, dude. I, I've been yeah. harping this on all my podcasts. Like, you got to get out of residential. Yeah. I love residential and I think it's fine if you always have like a yeah. little residential thing. It's been my little ha- comfort zone. Yeah, you know? fuck that. We're, we're, yeah. we're done with that. Yeah. 2024 is thinking big, being intentional, using mm. your time wisely, being completely freaking dialed Dude, in. Dude, I'm down. Yeah. I mean, just having so like some of the conversations we had around that, like just shifting my mindset around you, like even doing these motel, hotel state things and the, the 12 unit, the 15 unit apartment stuff, just the money to be made over there. Not even just the money. It's just like, it's just more interesting. It's like, it's more fun. I like that way better than a little single family. Yeah. Dude. Just keep yeah, pushing yeah. yourself. That's the, that anybody listening to this, keep pushing yourself. If you're going to spend the same amount of time on a little deal as you will a big deal. Nate, don't honestly, fool yourself. It's not, it's honestly, not easier to do a little deal. The little deals honestly bring the most headache. It's oh, yeah. the ones where you make like five grand, yeah. you know, and you did, had to do all this work. Like this portfolio deal, I've, I've sent like four emails. You know, that's it. You know, it's yeah. like, those are nice when they come. They're always like that. But most importantly, like, yeah, it's it's the same amount of work. Are we working on the right stuff? You know? Uh, well, I appreciate yeah. you coming on. Um, what's your social? It is, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, it's I am Matt Beard. You can also find me on YouTube. We do a lot of this kind of like creative finance stuff. We also do crazy challenges where like we do dunk. Yeah, go check out some of his challenges. They're kind yeah, of yeah. fun. He does all yeah. kinds of wacky things. <laughs> tries to keep it fun. Yeah. Um, you know, does live seller calls, all kinds of fun things. So you can kind of learn along while you're watching him do it. It's it's I am Matt Beard on yep, YouTube. I am Matt Beard on YouTube as well. There you go. All you're right, man. Cool. Thank you. Well, thank you guys for hanging out with us. This was a great podcast. We uh covered a lot of ground here today. If you got some uh some value out of this episode, just do me a favor, fire it off to one friend. If you have a friend that's in real estate that needs to hear this message, maybe it's just an entrepreneurial friend that, uh, you know, maybe slipping a little bit and you want them to hear some of the entrepreneur personal talk about balance and family and life and all that. Just fire that off to one person. That would be your give back to us. Brad here until next time. Take care. Comb your hair. Peace. Hey, Cody Sperber, the original Clever Investor, host of the Clever Investor Show podcast. And I'm shooting this ad right now to let you know that this podcast exists. It's finally out and we have some amazing guests. So please, I'm begging you, can you just come and give our podcast a listen? I've been doing real estate for a really long time. I've accessed some of the coolest people in the world. We were having all these amazing conversations and I'm like, what are we doing? Let's record this and actually put it out on a podcast. But the problem is, I have to let people know about it. That's where this ad comes in and this is where you come in. You're gonna be able to learn from successful entrepreneurs, get in-depth interviews from amazing leading experts. You're gonna learn real estate investing strategies and tactical training strategies that work in today's market. We're going over market analysis and different market predictions. You're gonna be able to engage in an awesome community. And we go into some pretty deep dives on the mindset of what it takes to win the game of money and in life, plus lots of bonus resources and exclusive content. So what you're gonna wanna do right now is click the link that you see on your screen and give the show a subscribe today. We have amazing guests like Ken McElroy and Robert Kiyosaki and Wes Watson and Pace Morby and Jamil Damji and Vina Jetty and a whole host of amazing men and women entrepreneurs that you're going to love to learn from and get to know. So what you want to do right now is click that link and give the show a subscribe today.